Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Down to Business. I am the managing editor of New Hampshire Business Review, Amanda Andrews. And joining me, as always, is Mike Cody, the new editor for New Hampshire Magazine and New Hampshire Business Review. So, Thanks, Amanda. Of course. Today, we have a very special guest with uh, a furry special guest with him. We have Renee Morrow, the owner of Dog Training Elite New Hampshire Operations. And with him, he brought Raven into the office, who is a black English lab. English lab, yes. yes. I can attest for everybody listening, she's adorable and very well trained. <laughs> um, so welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, let's, I, let's start with um, your background, because the Dog Training Elite Greater New Hampshire is a family-owned dog training service company in Manchester. Um, but you weren't always in this, in the, in, in that. So I was wondering if you could sort of tell us your journey first, um, what brought you to Dog Training Elite, all that fun stuff. Well, I've had a long journey, but I'll, I'll start with my work career, uh, post-military uh, work career. I found myself in management. I was living in um, Los Angeles at the time, and I worked uh, actually and ran a messenger courier service. Uh, dealing with uh, primarily with law firms and the entertainment industry, uh, big entertainment firms, Universal mm. Studios. Yep. Uh, did that for 10 years and then found myself in New Hampshire. Uh, we had family living out in New Hampshire and would come out for visits and just fell in love with it. And just like that, we sold our house in California and moved out and built a house uh, on the outskirts of Concord in, in New Hampshire, of course, and uh, found myself in the auto glass industry just looking for management jobs, mm. uh, something that I was obviously familiar with at that point, managing people, and I uh, grew up around cars, and so I found myself uh, managing a facility for a um, glass company, an independent, California-based and I did that for 20 years and uh, it was sort of a long time coming trying to get out of that industry and find something to do for myself and something that I had a passion for. Um, I, I kind of felt like uh, working for the man so to speak for mm. for your entire life was not really how it had to be. You could do other things and I started to uh, seek out um, things that I enjoyed and of course I grew up with dogs and always had dogs from the time I was born there was always a dog in the family or many dogs and um, growing up as a child uh, watch my parents have and manage dogs was was a little different than my style and you know they had dogs where if they opened the front door the dog would go for it, mm -hmm. run out that front door, and then the chase was on, and uh, the game of catch me if you can was on. So uh, I swore never to have a dog like that, and I swore to have dogs that didn't need to be leashed. Mm. And of course, uh, oh, more than 20 years ago now, I, I got my very first dog of my own, and I started working with the dog right from the beginning. and. Um, I wanted to have a dog that I could open the door and say, go to the bathroom and come when I, when I called him or her, and in this case him, and uh, just behave the way a dog should and can behave. Um, and so the passion became more and more, and I've had as many as uh, six of my own dogs at home uh, on and off. And um, I also ended up adopting 
what was uh, my oldest oldest sister's dog uh, when she passed away. I traveled overseas because she was living overseas and, and brought that dog back and dog I'd never actually met before myself and, uh, and took care of that dog and um, she lived uh, a long life and happy one and um, it just constant uh, living around large group of dogs or having them in the house and and they had to be able to behave and when i would feed them they knew which way to go which bowl was whose and not chaos in mm-hmm. the home uh, there's nothing worse than chaos that you see in certain people's homes with oh, their dogs true. so mm-hmm. that's kind of my journey and of course i found this um franchise and uh, learned about them um went out for a meet and greet and once I saw their operation and got to see what they do and got to visit uh, with their clients, um, I knew it was right for me. I I have dealt with business for so many years. I know what looks right and what feels right. And uh, from there, it went on to training. I went out myself for training. I took, uh, I was gone for a month of training and- That's extensive. uh, it, yeah, I was gone. F- I was gone for a month. I spent a month uh, in Utah, um, and just uh, loved every moment of it. And what I really like about this organization is um, the ability to get support. You know, mm-hmm. we all come across dogs that can be a little more difficult, mm-hmm. just like a school teacher with a child that can be a little more complicated to deal with. Yep. We have dogs occasionally that are a little more complicated. Um, but the support is there, and it's uh, it's extensive and really good. I love that. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about as franchises go. It seems like the upfront costs for this particular franchise is relatively modest compared to you know trying to it open is. up at McDonald's. I'm looking at the website. Uh, most popular training package, eighteen hundred dollars. You have to have yes. a few territories. Tell me a little bit from the business side. You know how you got through that and raised the money and got. Um, so it, it was obviously a, um, it, it, it was difficult from, you know, taking that leap forward and, you know, I have a mortgage and, you know, I have, uh, he's a little older, but I have a son that lives at home and I, you know, I have dogs of my own. And so it was, um, it was scary, right, <laughs> to say the least. It was one of the scarier things knowing, am I going to have an income? How am I going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long is this going to take for me to start to make money? Um, what I did was I, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like I've reached a point in my life. I've got to take that um, that chance. No, no good business comes out of uh, somebody sitting back and, and waiting for it to happen. You have to take the chance out there you have to take some risk and Mm. I took the risk Um, I came out of the glass industry with a very good uh, bonus and that helped me get through some of it Um, as far as raising money and again it is relatively low cost for a McDonald's you need a million dollars to be able to get into a McDonald's I think a lot of people forget that your local McDonald's is part of a big corporation if you will but those are franchises those are local people those mm-hmm. are your next door neighbors and just like I am I you know I live in a neighborhood where we have police officers and doctors and you know a bit of everything and we are just local people wanting to uh, give back to the community and also make a living at the same time uh, I did take a small business loan which um, 
again, that's taking some risk. And mm -hmm. how am I going to be able to pay that business loan back? And am I going to make the money back? Um, but it's kind of like a, a, a leap of faith. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to hope that yeah. <laughs> things work out well. But, you know, you have to have some confidence in yourself. And you have to get to that point in life. Um, I knew when I met the, the uh, founder and realistically it's a it's a family and even the people that aren't actual family are family mm -hmm. and I knew it was right and I knew that I would get through it and um, it, it is again relatively low cost but you have to be able to still pay your mortgage and pay for your car payments yeah. and and pay for the loan on the small business and it and you're not making money overnight then there are uh, costs involved in, in it obviously I had to buy equipment and there's advertising and uh, advertising is not cheap and you've got no, to do the not. Facebook thing and the Instagram and the Google and Yelp and you're paying for all of those things and every time somebody clicks on on a link you pay for it whether somebody signs up or not it costs you money every time they click on those things so um, you know, it's a little bit scary, but getting through it, um, I've got huge support from my significant other, uh, Bethany. She's um, been a rock, and she's very, she's an RN by trade, and she's, uh, she was in a motor, major motorcycle accident a year ago, and I think this has also been therapeutic for her. Oh, and, I'm sure. Um, she just, she's got some serious drive behind her, so that's really, really helped, and uh of course, just like everybody, the dogs get us through it, you know, yeah. knowing that it's a good cause. And, and honestly, we try to be involved in the community because we believe that we owe the community, um, everybody owes their community. Um, we've done, at Franklin High School, we did career day. We were invited, and we, we don't charge anything. We do events that we... You do a lot of events. For. Yeah, we just signed up with, uh, down in Merrimack, um, for uh, Fidelity Investments. They mm -hmm. want to do a mental health uh, awareness once a month, and we've agreed to go in once a month, donate uh, time, and bring dogs with us. And uh, it's all for mental health awareness. And, That's excellent. Um, you know, we, we don't expect them to, to pay us anything. Mm -hmm. We do ask or, or would appreciate donations towards the Malinois Foundation, which is a foundation we're affiliated with. and. And that is for um, army vets, uh, wounded warriors, basically, um, first responders, nurses, and then, of course, battered women. So we, we appreciate donations to that, and they've agreed to do it. And we're absolutely happy to donate our time for, for causes like that. When did you start that partnership with the foundation? So the foundation kind of goes hand in hand with Dog Training Elite. Okay. Um, there is an affiliation and it is a requirement um, as a franchisee that you will donate uh, time uh, every year to training a service dog for um, whoever the dog is awarded to. People can apply online at, at the Malinois Foundation mm -hmm. uh, and uh, once they do that, they apply. If they're awarded a dog, then we agree to do the training for free. 
Where do those dogs come from? Are they local breeders? Um, there are sometimes there are breeders that will donate dogs. Uh, of course, breeders like to make money, and so sometimes that is a challenge to get breeders to let go of one of those dogs. But there are breeders that will do it. Um, also, we will take. Um, sorry, Raven. Raven. Raven has a voice too off. Um, <laughs> Raven doesn't need a microphone. No, she no, doesn't. She doesn't. Uh, Raven was in. Uh, a courthouse for we, we take our dogs we've gone to hospitals psych wards she was in a courthouse with a courthouse experience last week interesting and, um yeah meadow has one of our other dogs has been in the psych ward in the hospital and doctor's offices um making the rounds yeah those are important things for them to become familiar with and learn how to behave in uh, environments to behave in um but anyway, back to your, your question, those dogs can come from uh, the people themselves who have, we, we find a lot of people looking for service dogs already have a dog, mm. they either got it as a puppy, some people get them a, you know, a little earlier in time and have had them for a year or two and hope to turn them into service dogs. Of mm. course, not every dog is capable of being a service dog. It goes dog. by breed, doesn't it? Um, it's actually not even breed. There are breeds that we prefer to mm. use only because of the um, behavior of those, the characteristics of those dogs, your, your labs, your retrievers, your, believe it or not, standard poodles, the larger poodles. The standard oh. ones are very intelligent. They're not everybody's uh, first choice of dog, but then a German Shepherd's not everybody's first choice of dog right. either. Uh, German Shepherds also, though we do find quite a bit of anxiety in German Shepherds, at least if they're older mm -hmm. and haven't gone through a training process from a young age, uh, they are a working breed and and need to be worked from a young age otherwise you got your hands full yeah um, so some people come to us with dogs we do get a lot of requests of people that have dogs sometimes they're two three four which does make it a little more challenging mm -hmm. uh, the dog has to meet criteria has to be able to pass a test at the end of the day they have to be able to go into restaurants they have to be able to go into grocery stores um, they can't be biting people they mm -hmm. can't be begging at a table at a restaurant they can't uh, go crazy when they see another dog and, and if a dog can't can't pass that then um it won't be able to be a service dog yeah so yeah what do you know how many you'd say you've you know sort of trained uh to be either like a service or a therapy dog so um we don't have any official behind us at this moment in time we are in the process of training quite a few uh, we have a couple of therapy dogs. Uh, therapy dogs are like service dogs. Service dogs are required to perform a specific task. Right. Therapy dogs are not required to perform a specific task. Otherwise, the be behavior has to be the same. So a therapy right. dog um, is not required by law, by ADA, to be let into restaurants and be let into hospitals. However, schools and believe it or not, even the Department of Prisons, uh, mm. we've talked a lot in New Hampshire with the Department of Prisons um, about having dogs come in for the, uh, not necessarily for the residents, but for the um, correctional officers to help them get through. Um, so therapy dogs can go anywhere that they're allowed to go, that right. people want them to go. Service dogs under the law can go anywhere. Right. Um, so we have quite a few dogs in training for service dogs. It takes uh, anywhere from a year to a year and a half to train a service dog fully. It's not an over the night, believe it or not, we get calls thinking we can pick a dog off a shelf and deliver it. 
Um, we do training in home with the people. That bonding of a young dog with the handler, the owner, is critical. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have that bonding. Um, there are uh, training organizations that will train a dog and then deliver it, but they miss out on that bonding from a That's young important. age. Um, and it's kind of like adopting a kid at an older age. They've already got behaviors that they've learned. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you adopt a baby, you bring the baby up and you um, you raise it. Yep. And it's the same with dogs. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that these dogs can do. And I'll give you an example. I got to meet uh, retired General Don Bolduc a few years ago. Yes. And his dog, service dog, Victor, um, he said one of the functions that Victor has is uh, the general has to wear a CPAP machine, and sometimes in the middle of the night he yanks it off, and the dog was trained to like yes. wake him up, put yes. your CPAP back on. Yes, absolutely. So, um, dogs can be trained for many, many things. There are scent based training. So, scent based would be diabetic alert. Uh, scent based um, can be a variety of, of sometimes dogs are trained to uh, see seizures coming. And there's a chemical change in the body when these things happen. Um, so, for example, a diabetic alert dog, we teach them from a very young age. We start with the, the scent, uh, familiarizing them with the scent of a um, diabetic at a very young age, five weeks while the puppy is still with the mother. So we would come in to the, train, or to the uh, breeder and we would bring um, samples of saliva that are in a uh, basically cotton and frozen we bring those in and we get the dogs familiar with that scent That's very interesting. the highs and lows of a diabetic mm -hmm. um, so dogs can do scent-based training when they start to recognize um, the scent and of course dogs have uh, 300 uh, 300,000, 400,000 scent receptors, humans don't. Mm -hmm. um, and they are able to smell things, of course we don't. Uh, then as far as other service dog training, there's seeing eye dogs. Um, there are dogs that you can train for to tap you, uh, be it um, like Don Bolduck, mm -hmm. his CPAP machine comes off, or if you're starting to uh, faint, dog will attempt to apply pressure to you, whether it's uh, a paw on you or applying pressure to your lap where they'll lay across you. If that doesn't work, they can be taught to uh, hit a first responder button um, to alert family first and then emergency services next. Um, if there's no response from family members, I don't know if you're familiar with these medical devices, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you have a list of people that it'll send out a text to, mm -hmm. and if nobody responds, then uh, 911 is essentially notified. Um, so they are capable of doing that. They're also capable of turning on light switches, turning off light switches. They're capable of fetching medications. Um, if you pass out, you can teach a dog, or you, you fall down, you can teach a dog to go get a cell phone uh, to call 911 or a family member for support. There's sort of endless uh, tasks that you can teach a dog to do. Um, dogs can be taught to open doors. A little more difficult with uh, round knobs, but doors like you have here in this office, the which are lever, a dog can be taught to open a door for you. Yeah. Um, Dogs can be taught to carry groceries. They can be taught a lot of things. We also teach uh, mobility support dogs, mm. where 
typically larger breed, you're, you're not going to strap a uh, harness on a chihuahua and expect <laughs> them to support a 150-pound person, nope. but you can certainly do that with the larger breed dogs, whether it's the Great Danes or the English Mastiffs, they can certainly help people with mobility. So there are a variety of uh, tasks. I just remember in my, in my heyday when I worked retail in the mall, there was a service dog and it was a Great Dane and it was like a horse just walked into the, into the store. We ourselves have a 200 pound Mastiff, English Mastiff at home. Oh, and he is a very lean uh, dog. He's not overweight. You can see his ribs like you're supposed to, but he's is a Is he taller boy. than you? Uh, <laughs> he's huge. Yeah. Let's just Those say are big that. dogs. He weighs more than me for sure. <laughs> um, I just love it, and I know that you also, part of that training is for the service is like PTSD and, yes. and veterans, which is, I think, not that all, they're all very important. And I just, I find it very fascinating that you're able to help train dogs that can then help people's lives, essentially. They do. And that's probably where your passion stems from, because that's, um, you know, not many people think of that as like a business venture, but it's, you know, it changed your life for sure I can't I, not to put words in your mouth but no and and I do believe I mean even people that don't suffer from uh, PTSD or uh, you know traumatic brain injuries um, dogs help our lives in general whether you've had a bad day at work and you come home how can you not uh, refocus your attention when you have that happy dog greeting you at the door wagging its tail um, you know, wanting to go out, wanting to play ball, um, they are just happy to do that. And when you bring uh, mental illness into uh, play, the dog has a huge effect on, on um, how people cope with their uh, illness. Um, you know, I have a son who was military as well. He was in the Army as well. And, of course, he has some PTSD you know, you see a lot of things when you're in action. And uh, part of having a, a service dog for that is uh, the distraction. And, um, you know, they recognize when you're going through a tough time. They recognize, dogs recognize when you're happy. They recognize when you're sad. They recognize when you're sick. Mm -hmm. They recognize all these different things. And they can be taught to recognize if they don't recognize it. Um, already, but then we teach them what to do with with the recognition. You know how what what? Sorry, my little one is snoring over here. Oh, I can't hear her. Um, yeah, she's she, so comfy. She, uh, yeah. she snores quite a bit. Um, and once you teach them to um, deal with the uh, individual, and and by that I mean applying pressure and. Uh, distraction because mm -hmm. they really do and I have one at home he's 11 years old and he senses even if we're having a conversation and we start to get passionate about the conversation excited or anything he intervenes in that and he'll get between people because he recognizes that as your your blood pressure is going up mm -hmm. and the excitement levels going up and he's uh, he's 
trained to bring the temperature down and he will start to talk to you and he gets a little wiggly and silly and then he's if you ignore him he will start to do light barks and then it gets louder and louder if you mm -hmm. totally ignore him so they recognize the emotion between people and they do uh, intervene and pull your attention away and next thing you know you're in a different direction completely and it it works miracles it really does and from that perspective of the dogs dogs like to have work yeah dogs, dogs love to have a job uh, people think if they get for example a german shepherd and if i take that german shepherd for a five mile run a day he's going to be tired wrong your german shepherd is just getting started at five miles a day you haven't even warmed that dog up mm -hmm. the mental uh, work for a dog is where the most important part of it if you work a dog for an hour mentally you are going to tire him out much more than running him for five miles yep. they are physical uh, physically active they love to be physical I can play with and I play with my dogs every day and I spend a lot of time playing with the dogs because they need that they also need the continued training consistency um, but yeah, the mental work, so giving them a job is the uh, pretty key vital. to success. It really is, for, even for small dogs. Mm -hmm. People think that um, some of these small breeds are just lap dogs. Well, they were bred, some of them were bred to, um, believe it or not, hunt rats and vermin. Skipper Key, I used to have one. Yes, <laughs> and so dogs are bred for a purpose. And so people don't understand that prey drive that dogs have. And they think that you're going to just train it right out of them. But you're not going to train it out of them. What you need to do is give them a purpose mm -hmm. and give them another job that they can use their their um, instincts. And that is how you have a calm, uh, well-behaved dog, is by giving them a purpose in life. They're not just there for your pleasure. Yep. They need something to do as well. Yeah. Um, and I, it's it's almost like... Part of your, your training, it's not just the dog, it's also the human. Uh, I, I can assume. <laughs> it is, yeah, that is 100%. So how do we differ a little bit from other companies? We don't ask that you bring your dog to a facility, drop it off, we'll train it, and send it back home to you and expect you to know what to do with it. We also don't expect you to come to the facility, work for an hour, and then go home and sort of figure it out. A lot of the problems that people have as far as regular training, obedience, is getting dogs to, to behave in their homes. A lot of times people get their dogs out and their dogs are fine. Back in the home, when they go to work, they come home and their houses are destroyed. Well, yep. one dogs get bored just like humans do if i put you at home with no tv no cell phone nothing to do you would get bored you'd tear up the the toilet paper too yeah i mean <laughs> young boys years ago used to you know burn things and try to use magnifying glasses to do naughty things uh, because they were bored they didn't have cell phones they didn't have video games yep. now they're distracted by that but dogs don't have any of that you have to give them something to do mm -hmm. and you need to, you know you need to train them and teach them what is expected um, it uh, the training in home is critical uh, we have a client right now that has two cats at home mm. and the dog is actually was the third addition to the family the cats came first 
but the dog um, goes after the cats, especially around feeding time, mm. plays too rough with them, and the cats have since gone to other rooms to hide. They don't want to be out. They're not seen anymore. Uh, how do you teach that in a facility where there are no cats running around? Exactly. And that's where the problem is. Um, or when um, a dog goes outside, the dog behaves, but when people come to your house, knock on the door, and the dog goes ballistic, mm -hmm. a little more difficult to teach a dog in a facility. Dogs are territorial creatures. Their yeah. home is theirs, and when people come to it, they see them as intruders. Right. So we train in-home, and we work with the owners, and we leave them homework. We do expect the clients to work with their dog every single day for 15 to 20 minutes, because consistency is important, just like homework for children. Yep. You, you've, you've got to do homework. You've got to work on it, keep it going. Same with uh, dogs. And that's where we differ from most trainers. Uh, we do things in home, we work yep. with the people, and we also believe in um, our dogs are our resume. Yep. Uh, trainers will show up, or uh, they'll, if they do show up at your house, they'll show up and they won't have a dog with them. Mm -hmm. Prove that you can do what you say you can do yep. without a resume, without showing it. And we believe in showing it when we go to people's homes. Yeah, I think that definitely makes a difference. Yes. Um, so I guess bef before we end, I'm, I'm curious what your, if you have any future plans with the organization as far as, you know, adding more trainers on your so roster? We, we do. Well, I, I am going to keep some of it a, a bit of a secret. Oh, um, good. <laughs> and, and that's for, um, you know, strategic uh, oh, reasons course. and business uh, strategy. Um, but exciting things but coming. As far, there are definitely exciting things coming. There are definitely plans uh, uh, for the future. Um, we already know what we're going to do. We know more or less where we're going to do it. And uh, so those plans are coming. As far as adding trainers, absolutely. Um, one of our trainers right now, Haley, she has a full schedule. She's uh, training every single day. Um, she's a fantastic trainer. She's well loved by the clients. Um, but we are looking at adding um, some other trainers. We're also talking about doing some apprenticeship uh, positions. And um, we also have um, high school students for their senior year that uh, actually we had somebody reach out this morning that wants to do 35 hours of uh, volunteer time to learn so that they can do something. And it is all related to mental health. Mm. Um, so uh, we do plan to keep that sort of thing going. We plan to do more career days with high schools because we believe that uh, not only is it a great career, but it's a very important one. Dogs mm. are becoming more and more uh, important in schools, uh, in the business environment. Um, I, I mentioned to you off mic that we uh, had been contacted by a financial um, one of the banks, mm. essentially, and they want to do mental health awareness uh, once a month at their facility in Miramac, and of course we've agreed to do that at no charge. Um, it's important for That's the community, excellent. and we, we believe those things are, are critical, and I think you're going to see more and more uh, dogs in uh, the workplace, and I think we're already seeing it um, after COVID, but we'll see more of it in the future, too. You kind of alluded to this a little bit, but um, we talked about um, franchise restaurants, uh, McDonald's and whatnot. 
one similarity I do see is your business model, you, multiple territories, or how, how wide is your coverage area now? So currently, um, we have, uh, it, it, it's kind of Manchester and, and south all the way to the state line. However, we have first right of refusal over the state of Maine, Vermont, and the rest of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. So, you have so we have room to grow, first right of refusal. Right now, there is nobody in any of those territories, so that is ours. If somebody comes to us from White River Junction, Vermont, we are going to White River Junction, yep. Vermont. That is our territory. Uh, same with Maine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can go as far as we want at this point. If we want to go all the way up to the Canadian border, we can. Mm -hmm. uh, if somebody else would like to buy a franchise, they can. And then we have first right of refusal. Um, which, of course, uh, I would jump on. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that, like that McDonald's model, nobody owns one, right? They always like the, exactly. the Manchester operator, I think he owns several. Exactly. The, 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 you know, those territories will you know, ultimately be mine, so yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks again for joining us today, Renee. I know we love meeting Raven and getting to know a little bit more about the organization, so we can only wish good things for you. And, Thank you. Um, hopefully, if anybody listening is looking for that sort of support at home definitely reach out um where can they where can people find you so it's uh, www.dogtrainingelite.com forward slash manchester perfect um and for everybody listening be well